TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Welcome back to A Change in Attitude, the podcast that takes a look back at the Attitude Era of Raw and uh, basically reviews it in 2021 hours. Uh, I am today's host, Max, and with me on this journey, as always, uh, my Radio Techers co-host, um, Tanner. Tanner, how are you? Howdy, Mags. Hope you're doing well. I'm doing very well. It's like we have uh, we've spoke so many times this week. It's almost like you're in the same room as me. Nearly, nearly <laughs> all the time. Um, yeah, uh, I did change my background. I I wanted to try and have a skyline, but as Mags pointed out, um, there was mold on the roof of this uh, background that I had. So I had to quickly evict myself from the building, and now I'm back here at my house. So, yeah. <laughs> and and coming along, <laughs> wow! And coming along uh, with on this journey with us, the the star of the show, the person who's carrying us so much that she needs actual physical therapy, uh, and that is a shoot. Orin, Orin, how are you? Not for yesterday being my first day of physical therapy. I thought I would because you know you get into physical therapy and and sometimes you think okay, this isn't going to be too bad. It's nice and gentle. And then like the next day or later that day, you're dying. And so I kind of expected to be very sore today, but I'm actually pretty good. I can tell that I did something, but Mm. you know, you guys are going to have to pick up some slack if this physical therapy (laughs) is going to work for me. (laughs) I mean, we are just trying to to keep up with you. Unfortunately, you you, I mean, I feel like I need to disclaim this so hard. Like, believe none of the bullshit that's coming out of my mouth right now because I don't believe any of it either. Well, the numbers don't lie, and they spell disaster for me and Tanner at sacrifice. Um, but, <laughs> but we are actually on the go home episode of Raw leading to SummerSlam 1996. So that is uh, August the 12th. Uh, from Seattle, Washington, still at the the Key Arena. Uh, or if people are watching along, what is the uh, the episode number on the on the Peacock app? On the Peacock, it is season four, episode thirty-two. Okay, and we uh, open with a video package uh, with a voiceover by Mister Madman, um, essentially going over the issues that. Uh, We've had with Ahmed Johnson and Farouk and uh, a little bit of a, a clarity in uh, Ahmed Johnson's uh, medical condition uh, and the problems he's having with his kidney. And we uh, get the, the the looming threat that p- potentially Ahmed may not make it to SummerSlam. Uh, what did you guys think of the, this uh, this little opening video? Tanner, let's, uh, let's hear your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, it, it was very... Um... I mean, we'll get a couple of these this episode, but it was very reminiscent of the previous week's um, kind of interview style segment with 
Shawn Michaels. Um, they give you like a little behind the scenes and mix a little bit of shoot with a little bit of, you know, WWE magic uh, and, and, and storyline. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they they at least made it make sense if you are enveloped into the story. Mm-hmm. And or are you uh, out, of, out of the three of us, you've been probably the most invested in this Armour Johnson and Fruit story. Um, how do you feel if we potentially don't get that match at SummerSlam? I mean, it's kind of, I think it it would be a great match. However, as a person, like if this is, you know, WWE or even at the time WWF had a really good job of blurring that line between kayfabe and reality and you know you you got a lot of shots of him in the hospital and it seemed very real and very legit so as a person you know i don't want to see anybody get hurt I, i don't want to see anybody need surgery or have blood or fluid you know drawn from their body from injury you know like we all know how I feel about Jim Cornette, but if something legitimately health-wise happened to him, I'd be like, man, that's, that's crappy. I hope he makes a, a, a strong recovery. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want people to be hurt. It doesn't make the industry fun. It doesn't – it takes you out of the storylines. It it And sometimes, I mean, things – you know, I get things happen. Your body gives out, especially under the grueling stress – and the grueling schedule that these guys performed at, the level they performed at, night after night, sometimes multiple times a week, five and six nights a week. And so, you know, occasionally things like that have happened, and it's been to the benefit of storyline, sadly, you know. But if it happens, awesome. If it doesn't, it'll be interesting to see how... Vince and the writers attempt to recover from that and take the storyline in a different direction. And I'm sure we'll uh, we'll discuss that more as we get uh, deeper into the show. One thing I, I I will praise WWF for at this time was was making us uh, kind of forget that these were episodes were all taped in blocks because of this whole package. It made you th- actually think that happened last week rather than it it being uh, kind of like edited from a, a big four, four or five hour block of recording. So I thought that that was a, mm. a, a very clever touch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so we go into our first match and uh, the culprit for uh, Ahmed Johnson's uh, uh, kidney issues for Hassan actually making his in-ring debut. Uh, I think this is like what the third, fourth week he's actually been on the show, uh, but we're seeing him actually uh, have a match with his uh, management, uh, manager, Sonny in tow, and he'll be taking on Sonny's real-life uh, uh, partner, Skip. Um, this is pretty much a, a huge squash match to show the dominance of uh, Farouk. Uh, Skip, uh, any time he, he gets any offense in it, it's quickly shot down uh, shot down by Farouk. There's a point where he goes for a crossbody and he just gets uh, caught in midair. Uh, there's plenty of power slams. Uh, ends with the Dominator. Uh, I don't think he's actually called the Dominator yet, uh, but that would be Farouk's uh, signature finishing move. Uh, so, Ori, what did you think of uh, Farouk's debut? 
It was fine. It established him in a way that he needed to, um, establishing him as a monster, an uncaring powerhouse. Um, it continued to further wrap up that storyline, moving Sonny away from Skip and Zip and the Body Donnas. Um, I thought it was also interesting that when we see Sunny come out, she had a completely different change of attire. You know, she had on a sleeveless dress and this, that, and the other. And she looked more like a manager type person as opposed to when she comes out with the smoking guns, with the vest and the cutoffs and or short shorts and the the boots. And so you know, it it differentiated a portion of her characters. Like, okay, she's manager for Farouk, but she's also manager for Smoking Guns. But it, it's very different on how she approaches both of these clients, we'll say. And so it it just goes back to how smart she was, you know, because if – if she would have come out in her typical smoking guns attire, you know, while that was also part of her character and wouldn't, it wouldn't have not made sense if that makes sense, <laughs> but it helped to further, I guess, establish her as his manager, as a partner to some degree with him and kind of make that, even though it's the same person, make a bit of a separation between how she approaches these two clients and the way she supports them. And I kind of appreciated that. Um, we get the information that that we're going to get Jake versus King at SummerSlam, which I was super excited for. And then in between, we get the announcement of the Bikini Beach Blastoff. Mm-hmm. And this is the thing that caught me about that whole interaction between King and Vince McMahon when they're talking about it. Of course, King's doing his usual, oh, I can't wait to see Sonny in a bikini and blah, 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 which he did the whole show. But Vince sounds so incredibly disgusted at the whole idea that they're going to parade the women of WWF around in bikinis. And I'm like, Okay, but this is your idea, and you can't say it's not. So, make it make sense, like, and because, like, I'm not saying he had to be all behind it and excited about it, like King, and make it gross, like King. But, like, the the way he responded to information about it just sounded so outdone and disgusted, and, and and. I don't understand why we're de- like. Well, there let could me, have been well, some middle ground there. Yeah, let, let me help you piggyback on that real quick. Um, so the perception in 1996 wasn't that Vince McMahon's the owner of the company. That's why we have the the figureheads like you sure. know real monsoon, right? Um, but Vince is supposed to be just the commentator, and he's always been the straight man to King's wild and crazy persona, right? Sure. Uh, at least in, in this era. So for for Vince to kind of be more on that side, as we've seen it week over week over week compared to King, it didn't really surprise me all that much that he was 
the more conservative and trying to shun King from being the way that he felt. Yeah, to, to be the foil for him. Um, and another thing that you pointed out, too, that um, w- was really interesting, if you also go back and look at the um, previous episodes where Sonny was also with, um, oh, who was she with? I'm trying to remember. The Godwins. Um, mm-hmm. She would also have an attire change for that. So, like, when she's with the smoking guns, she, she's got the cowboy get up with, like, the, the, the frills and right. like, all that stuff. And then with the Godwins, she kind of looks like Daisy Duke. Uh, Daisy Duke. Daisy, Daisy Duke. Daisy Duke. There yeah, we she's go. Got, she's got the, you know, the, the plaid uh, shirt that goes up to her midriff and, and right. the, the, the cutoff jean shorts and everything. And, and, and yeah, I'll, yeah, I really also appreciate that change in attire between... You know, hey, like this, like I'm trying to fit the theme of this tag team here. I'm trying to fit. Mm-hmm. This is who I am with the Godwins. This is how how I am with Farouk. This is who I am with the Smoking Guns. Yeah, it's right. But what sense. what I'm saying about it is that when, at least from what we've seen so far, you know, she's either been with the Godwins, with the Bonnie Donnas, or with the Smoking Guns. Yeah. They're, there's never been a point in time that we've seen thus far. Granted, it's been what, 10, 12 episodes, but there's mm-hmm. never been a time that she's managed two separate clients, we'll say it that way, um, at the same time. Mm-hmm. So to make that right. differentiation just in her attire, because she is also still managing, as far as we know at this point, the smoking guns. While she's handling Farouk, right. it it just speaks to her character. I have a friend of mine who works in professional or amateur professional wrestling down here, and uh, Preston Bentley, and I kind of gave him, you know, I ribbed him a little bit. Um, I went to a show a couple years ago around my birthday, and he was managing two, three, four different guys who were all on the card at the same time for the quote-unquote House of Bentley. And every time he would come out, he would have a different vest to go with, you know, that specific tag team, singles, you know, person, whatever. And, it, you know, it's the same basic principle. Like, it'd be the difference between Jim Cornette putting on a pink jacket for Owen Hart and putting her on a red jacket for Vader. Yeah, it just well, it helps yeah. kind of differentiate and and I like it. I appreciate it. Even though I yeah, gave yeah. Preston a bunch of shit for it and said mm-hmm. that, you know, he makes them all in his mom's basement, but <laughs> you know, you know, all his vests. But still it's a smart move and and I appreciate yeah. it. And it shows uh, a level of intelligence towards her character in and of itself. Yeah. Right, right. It's I think we're on the same yeah, page for that one. It's a throwback to the, the, the Jimmy Hart stuff when he used to have uh, multiple uh, uh, clients and he would have a, a, a different airbrush jacket uh, for every single one. So it's a, it's a, a very smart move. And, and like you said, Ori, it differentiates the kind of um, the, the wacky playfulness of the, of the uh, Godwins and then the, the four cowboy of, uh, of the guns and then the, the, the professional dominance of, uh, of uh, Farouk. Wait a minute. Um, Wait the 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 what for the smoking guns? The four cowboy. Well, just needed to hear you say that one more time. I don't know why. 
<laughs> okay. Um, so then, um, into the lead up to the next match, we had a uh, uh, Jake Roberts, as you uh, as you mentioned, uh, phoning in, um, confirming that we were getting the uh, the the match against King at SummerSlam. Uh, Jake saying he'd uh, uh, he's had enough, and the the power that has saved him is going to be the power that uh, that destroys the King. Uh, thankfully, uh, we got. Uh, uh, Jerry Lawler's retort cut off uh, when it, it seemed like he was going to make a, a joke about uh, maybe a fifth of of, uh, of whiskey or whatever. It got cut off, and then we come back and we've got Savio Vega uh, in the ring waiting for. Uh, Before we move on from that, because <laughs> I know both of you guys are whiskey drinkers. Did you catch the part? I don't remember if it was King or Vince. But they said something like, you poured that fifth of raw whiskey down his throat. And I'm like, what exactly is raw whiskey? It would have made more sense to say straight whiskey, but raw whiskey? I'm like, what, do we need to put it in a pot and boil it first? He he, he had raw on the on the brain. So Obviously. Just like, ah, it's raw, it's raw whiskey. I mean, yeah. the, only, the only thing that can link Jim Bean to raw is it leaves your throat feeling raw after you've drunk quite a lot of it. I yeah, would you, assume you feel, you feel empty and then in despair. <laughs> yeah. I was, I'm not a whiskey drinker, but that that caught me funny, especially since I knew you guys were whiskey drinkers. So um, one thing I actually did chuckle at was uh, Savio Vega getting uh, Fink to do a little bit of a boogie whilst they were waiting uh, mm. on his opponent. Okay. Yes, he he danced with them. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then we do we do actually get Savio's opponent, um, someone who we've uh, only really seen uh, the back of um, of his head, uh, Clarence Mason, as his attorney slash manager. Um, it's the return of Crush. Uh, who'd have thought that? Who'd have thought that Crush was back? Wait a minute, that's that's Crush. <laughs> Um, interesting uh, look, uh, kind of going for the the prisoner slash Barker, um, the the face tattoo, yikes! Um, but we get uh, essentially an, uh, another kind of almost squash match. Uh, this is to to make Crush look super super powerful in his comeback. Um, yeah, it, it's a match that happened. I think the more interesting thing was that was kind of like the uh, the 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 chat between Clarence Mason, uh, King, and uh, Vince. Uh, uh, King trying to get Clarence to represent Vince, saying he needs a lawyer, uh, and if uh, Clarence uh, uh, showed up in court, he would have more witnesses than than Jehovah. Which I thought was a quite a, a funny line for for King, and then there was a bit of an argument about uh, Clarence Mason's um, position with with uh, Crush, uh, and Vince accused him of, uh, of maybe kind of milking Crush for for all the the money he's worth, and then there's a bit of an argument about whether Crush should actually be allowed in the the WWF. I mean, Vince is the owner. Why didn't he just chip in and say, "Look, no, I don't want him working for my company." But there we go. Um, apparently, the the whole storyline, a lot of the things actually did happen with Crush, and that's why he was uh, he was out of, off our screens for eighteen months. He did have uh, some issues with uh, with uh, narcotics and uh, 
and uh, and with a, a gun and, and things like that. Uh, but yeah, this match happened. It was uh, Savio Vega, the perennial uh, superstar jobber, uh, but he ends up uh, losing to a uh, to Full Nelson. Tanner, what did you think about the return of Corner Crush? This match was so long. It was Thank so you. long. I don't understand. I, I, I was okay. So I get that. Hey, he's coming back. We need to make him look strong. Yeah, a hundred percent. Obviously, we also want to make Savio Vega look pretty good too. Let's try and do that. They took both of those ideas and tried to make it a a, a, a match where. <laughs> where they basically had crushed like look really good for nine minutes um and i'm like, I'm just sitting there like I, I don't need to see nine minutes worth of crush looking good like this is like i've got i've got more plans here to, for tonight's raw <laughs> right like like there's other things going on um it was fine it was fine I will make note, I, I did a little bit of extra research, and uh, apparently, at the same time of this match going on, if you flip the channel over to WCW Nitro, uh, Rey Mysterio was competing against Ultimo Dragon in a very competitive cruiserweight match. Uh, so it would not have surprised me at the time if I was, you know, a younger Tanner flipping the channel over to see Ultimo Dragon versus Rey Mysterio. Mm-hmm. That's just my personal take, though. It's fine. I, I'll be interested to see what they do with Crush going forward, because uh, you know we've had a a convict gimmick before uh, that that didn't really turn out so well. Um, well, let, let's see how this one goes. Yes. All right. You look like you uh, you were glad to see the return of Crush. Uh, what are your thoughts on this uh, this outstanding match? Is that really what you see on my face? <laughs> really? Because it doesn't feel that way on my face. It was. It was way too long. I felt like they could have done a whole lot more and a lot less time and been done with it and moved on to something. I personally would have rather seen Rey Mysterio in Ultimo Dragon if I'm, you know, now knowing that that was there. Like, that sounds actually interesting. But... I don't know. There was more. I don't know. I, I just didn't care for any of it. I didn't care for the match. I didn't care for Clarence Mason. I didn't care for the commentary. Not that anything, any one thing was. Was bad and, you know, turned me off or anything. And it just, I couldn't connect with it at all. I couldn't stay interested and engaged in it and i think i'm almost positive like i kept just just tell me when it's over like i just want it to be over unfortunately it it did take a long long while uh very slow very plodding i don't think any of uh crush or sabi will come out of this match looking uh looking particularly good but we then go into a, a series of uh, of uh, recorded uh, video packages. Uh, we start with uh, the Undertaker and Mankind's brawl during the uh, the Battle Royal being recapped, and then we get uh, an epilepsy inducing uh, video package for the Boiler Room uh, brawl. 
Mm. Um, then we get the the part that King has been waiting so long for, the naked truth. <laughs> Which, as a woman, it wasn't that naked. Let me just... Yeah. I hate to, to, to break the fourth wall and the illusion there, but... As a woman with a woman's body, knowing how clothes fit against a woman, what nothing they did as best they could to make it appear that way, she wasn't naked. Uh, Sorry, Ta- Tanner. Tanner is fuming. So essentially, for for people who, who who aren't watching along, Sunny was behind the screen, which was backlit. So we got the silhouette. Uh, she was trying on bikinis, uh, and then uh, she all the while she was uh, she was promoting this uh, this uh, bikini pool party thing that's uh, um, uh, meant to be happening on the on the SummerSlam free for all, and then saying to King, uh, "Can she be the queen?" Uh, Ugh, it was so cringy. No, 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 no. Oh. It gets it gets worse. It gets far worse. King says that she can sit in his throne with him, and um, I, uh, I try to blank this out of my he, mind. He he went on to say, "You can, you know, you can sit in my throne with me as long as you want. Just try not to get me a little wet," um, which uh, was. Disgusting. I didn't need to hear that from King. Um, Vince quickly <laughs> changed the subject on him oh after God. the fact. Um, that that was that was horrifying. That was horrifying. Um, also, uh, a slight other note here: uh, the, they used actual music, uh, Tchaikovsky, for the uh, Undertaker Mankind Boiler Room Brawl uh, promotional package. Uh, music from uh, the Black Swan. Uh, so yeah, mm. wow, Tana bringing a touch of class to this podcast. Very Good. interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, um, the sunny segment was a plus. Shut <laughs> up. So after and that, this is we... why I'm carrying the show. Hot exactly. takes like that. No, I no, I had to, I had to, you know, get put in some class, and Mags pointed it out, and I had to bring the room down a little bit. That's just <sighs> how we equalize the show. Is that <laughs> so? Then after that, we get a, a look back at um, Armour Johnson's uh, his victory in the Battle Royal, uh, and uh, we get a voiceover of the injuries that he uh, potentially sustained, and then we get the sit-down interview with uh, Kevin Kelly appearing again on the show. Uh, a young, fresh-looking Kevin Kelly. So it's quite um, quite a, a, a different look to how he looks now. Um, but he uh, basically has this sit-down interview with uh, Ahmed going over uh, how the physical pain is. And Ahmed is, uh, says he's the pain uh, physically is not uh, the issue. He's had physical pain before. It's the mental pain. Uh, and then they go into a little bit of a um, um, a rundown of how the pain went. And Ahmed says his insides went ass cold. And that the doctor said that his kidney uh, essentially burst from the kick from Farouk. Uh, and then uh, with the, the the extra matches and the the uh, battle royal with Stone Cold and uh, Goldust beating down on him, it's made the the tear a little bit more. Um, Kevin asks him uh, if the doctor have said it, whether there's any risk to losing his kidney, 
and Ahmed uh, looks quite concerned that, that there is a possibility that if they can't stem the bleeding, uh, that, that he could potentially lose the kidney. Uh, and then he actually gets r- incredibly emotional. And um, I thought this was probably one of Ahmed's best pro, uh, promos that, that certainly I've seen uh, when he's talking about whether he's even going to be able to, to compete again, uh, whether he's going to be able to defend his, uh, his intercontinental title. Strangely, he also uh, wonders whether he'll defend the world title, which uh, he's he's not the champion. So it'd be weird if he did defend that. But uh, yeah, this um, this really kind of added for me uh, a, a different layer to Ahmed Johnson. Um, made you kind of really connect with him on a on a, an emotional level. Um, Aura, what are your thoughts on on this whole kind of um, Ahmed Johnson situation? I thought it was a great interview. Um, you know, like I said earlier, if that's if it was as serious as they're making it out to be, that I can't even imagine that it sounds painful. It sounds horrible. I've never had kidney issues, knock on wood, but you know, it it just sounds horrifying. And you know, he talked about the the mental pain of not only will I be able to defend my championship, but will I be able to wrestle again? And it's interesting. I've heard similar sentiments from other wrestlers when they've been injured and have had to go home and sit on the couch and all they could do was watch the product in rehab. And so that that mental anguish when you love something so much and you're not able to do it and you're having to watch others go through and do storylines and have matches that that you could have potentially had like that struggle you know i remember when matt hardy got hurt and you know the struggle that he went through that he talked about later you know, of having to to watch from home and there was nothing that he could do. And it, it really wore on him mentally. And a lot of that stuff can translate physically as well. You know, with that, that mental anguish can show itself uh, up physically, as I've found out in my own life. Like, I've tried very hard to keep myself positive because I've got, what, four autoimmune disorders? And if I let myself get into my head, they just start manifesting themselves in my physical pain. And so, you know, it really, I feel like the whole interview really humanized Ahmed Johnson a whole lot, made him more relatable as a person. And uh, I, I agree with you. I think it was one of his best interviews. And I think Kevin Kelly did an excellent job in leading leading and guiding him through it. I think that's the mark of a really good interviewer when you can lead the conversation to exactly where it needs to go. You know, there was a little repetitive th- stuff right there at the end, but overall I, I I think it was a great interview. It did I think it did a lot to garner sympathy for Ahmed Johnson. Mm-hmm. Tana, thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I I really can't say anything that Ori hasn't already said. Um, yeah, I'm hoping that Ahmed Johnson makes a speedy recovery, uh, and that uh, we do see him on television sometime soon. Because I know not not only Ori was looking forward forward to that match with uh, Farouk, uh, but I was as well. You know, and and um, I think that the way that they've set up this angle 
anybody who likes wrestling uh, would feel the same. So, yeah, Um, I I can say that um, Ahmed Johnson uh, has performed spectacularly well on the Raws leading up to this moment here. And, uh, yeah, he'll definitely be sorely missed uh, in the weeks to come as far as uh, him not being uh, in the ring. So, yeah, speedy recovery to Ahmed Johnson in that moment. Absolutely. Um, we then go back to the action. Uh, and fucking Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. It's one of Tanner's favorite competitors. <laughs> Toilet Hopper. He's back, Tanner. You can you can you can be happy again, sir. Um Yeah, this was this was great. I loved this moment of him coming to the ring and waving around the plunger. Right. Coming to the ring with his theme music, which is just a flushing toilet. Flushing toilet, yeah. <laughs> over and over and over again. Um, yeah. But he's got a tag team partner this week. Uh, we see the Raw uh, debut, and ironically also the last time you'll see him on Raw. Uh, who? Uh, and who's in you, the ring? Yeah, who? 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 No, who? Uh, that's what I'm asking. Who's in the ring? Who? Who is in the ring? I know, that's... But but yeah, who who's in the ring? Exactly. And this essentially is what happens on Raw. This is the joke that they were going for on Raw. Uh, who is actually uh, Jim the Anvil Nardhart in some ill-fitting uh, yellow spandex and a and a ridiculous mask? And yeah. they're facing the Godwins. Wow! Yeah, this was and gross. Yeah, I had was... no idea that that was Anvil. Yeah, I saw too much oh. of it. Yeah. Oh, I see, I'll be honest with you. I kind of zoned out a little during this match. Yeah. He, and, yeah. T- Tana mentioned earlier uh, about if you flipped over the channel uh, to WCW, you were seeing Rey Mysterio uh, against Ultimo Dragon. If you flipped over the channel at this match, you were seeing the NWO, one of the coolest factions kind of like be birthed. <laughs> and, and on Raw, you're seeing a plumber. And who? Uh, a nearly naked <laughs> Jim Danville Nightheart <laughs> taking on two hillbillies, essentially. Yeah. Um, yeah. But this match was kind of redundant because the 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 entertainment came from the the special guest on commentary, one crazy ass Mister Bob Backland. Oh, geez, uh, this was wild. Yes. Uh, Oof, wow. Um, he came out, um, he's still running this kind of Bob Dole uh, going for president gimmick. Uh, he says that he's going to improve society. And then he goes on uh, a political rant talking about what uh, is, is taught in schools. Uh, mm. you, mm-hmm. Apparently schools do not teach you to not steal. Yeah, yeah. Um but they teach you to stay away from getting AIDS by the use of a condominium. Yes. Um, <laughs> they teach them how to not contract AIDS by, by the use of a, of a condominium. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he inserts uh, uh, quite a few Bible verses, um, which offended me uh, for multiple reasons. <laughs> um I just, uh, I just don't, I just don't understand. Um, I guess it's funny. I, I think it's funny. 
Um, but 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 in a way that it's like, oh man, Grandpa forgot to take his meds this morning, and, and he's Pretty flipping much. out. Kind of funny. Um, yeah, this was this is fine. Um, <laughs> well, uh, it was, was. I mean, this was, was a. This was. It was fine. It was well, the crazy <laughs> thing to me was I've never heard Bob Backlund speak. Yeah. And now you wish you'd never heard it before. Mm-hmm. Well, he okay, so here's the thing. It started off quite intelligent and well-spoken, and I was like, okay, like, okay, go ahead, Bob Backlund. You're doing the thing, okay. And then mm-hmm. he went on this whole our teachers don't teach thou shall not steal and thou shall not kill, but they'll teach him how to prevent AIDS with the use of a condominium. And I'm like, can we not say condom on TV in 1996? Or is Bob Backlund just that much of an idiot? And I'm willing to believe either one at this point, honestly. That's where he started jumping the shark for me. It felt to me like it was just so King could lead him with his I once lived in a condominium joke. Yeah. Well, he was gone by then. He had gotten so irate that he threw his headset off and kept going back and forth, you know, and it and, was it was a Vince, hot mess. Yeah, Vince Not to mention – no, go ahead. I was just going to say that Vince actually had to get the point over that Bob was there to get over, that he was bringing somebody into the, the, uh, the WWF to uh, right the wrongs of society. Uh, and then mm, King mentioned mm. he'll he'll chicken wing you, and then Bob came back and threatened to chicken wing um, Vince. So uh, Bob went on this mad tirade and just essentially forgot what he was meant to be saying. He also uh, said, "Before I retire, I'm going to get you to Vince," which is that quite anonymous threat to uh, <laughs> essentially to your boss. But who's seriously scared of Bob Backlund? Um, I mean, former uh, world champion Bob Backlund. Yeah, he's uh, he's kept himself in very good shape. Uh, I saw a, a picture recently. Uh, I think he's still in his like he's in his what seventies or eighties at this point, and he was doing a headstand uh, w- with just his head uh, supporting the whole weight of the rest of his body. Yeah, I mean, that, good that on him, but that guy's, that guy's in scary good shape. Um, yeah, I don't know. But he, like this is the thing for the time that we're in in nineteen ninety six at this point. Yeah. With the type of guys that Vince is signing and booking in these matches, I'm sorry, but Backlund looks like a joke. Mm-hmm. He looks like a very scrawny, small, old, even then, joke. I mean, he's always come across as a joke, though. I mean, it's it's when he gets in the ring and somehow wins these matches by putting you in a dozen holds at the same time that mm-hmm. kind of gets you like the whole like, oh, geez, like he's actually good kind of thing um so yeah we also get a little bit of a um an announcement mid-match here by gorilla monsoon who says that the uh, intercontinental title has been declared vacant at this Mm -hmm. point uh so ahmed johnson will not be competing uh at SummerSlam. We're, we're led to assume and that something will happen very soon with the intercontinental title so that is pretty exciting there will yeah. be yet another tournament. But this also means that assuming that he's not going to be at SummerSlam, that he will also not be able to compete against whomever wins the WWF championship at SummerSlam the following Monday night on Raw. And so, but before we completely move on, did anybody else catch um, as Bob Backlund sitting down, King insinuating that he commits voter fraud? 
Yes, he he yes. did. He did. Like, oh, he I'll, mentioned I'll a lot vote of for things. you twice. I do it all the time. I'm like, <laughs> how corrupt are you, sir? I mean, it, it would be remiss of us to not at least mention the match. The match happened. The Godwins won. The fans emptied from the arena and all went to the to ba- the bathroom. Ironically, after uh, T T L Hopper had left the bathroom. Uh, yeah. But yeah. The, <laughs> The match was, the they're match clogging was, it up so he has something to do after yeah. the match. That's what's happening. They're they're uh, creating yeah, more work for for TL uh, and Betsy. Uh, uh, Tana, you mentioned the the Gorilla Monsoon um, segment, and this to me was it really kind of showed that WWF were were booking this on the fly because we had to cut to Gorilla multiple times because uh, they w- went off the screen because of. Action, and I'm saying that with the most quotation of quotation marks of action in the ring. Uh, we even got the finish of the match, and we went back to uh, Gorilla to to confirm that uh, he were he wouldn't give Farouk uh, the the title just because King uh, was was demanded it. Mm-hmm. Um, then we get some more um, video package footage. This time it's a uh, Bret Hart on the wrestle vessel. Uh, and he's uh, chatting with uh, with Mr. Perfect about whether uh, he's going to return to the, the WWF, and he essentially confirms he'll be back in two or three months, maybe, uh, to give an answer whether he's coming back or not. So we're, we're pretty much no closer to knowing whether Brett is going to be back, but it keeps Brett in, in, in people's thoughts. Um, it keeps him relevant, and it shows kind of like a human side of him when he's uh, signing autographs for for the fans. Um, so it was a, a an interesting uh, little clip there. And then after that, we go straight into uh, his his baby brother Owen Hart. Uh, he's uh, going to be facing the the current WWF champion, Mister Shawn Michaels. Uh, and this for me was the saving grace of this whole show um, for a, a, a go home show to uh, one of the big four um, major uh, WF pay-per-views. Um, it, it, it's a shame that it took the last 15 minutes to, to be able to do that. And I thought this was a great match. The finish, uh, I, I wasn't really that impressed with, uh, but the in-ring stuff was uh, was as good as you are going to get with uh, with uh, Owen and, and Sean, really kind of uh, two wrestlers who know exactly how to lead a match. Um, there's a, there's a, the kind of the greatest hits of, of Shawn Michaels. We get some skinning of the cat. We get, um, we get the uh, elbow drop. We get multiple uh, sweet chin musics. Um, Sean uh, gets the victory once um, um, Vader comes out for the distraction. He ends up hitting Vader, lands a couple of switching musics, gets the pin, uh, and then the smudge happens. Vader uh, goes to attack Sean with a chair. <laughs> Sean pulls off uh, Owen Hart's um, cast, which uh, doesn't look like it could match up to the, the power of a steel chair. Uh, and then Jim Cornette uh, slides the, the the tennis racket to Owen, uh, and we then get uh, Owen going for the Shawn Michaels with the tennis racket, who ducks. He ends up eating the tennis racket himself, and then uh, Vader with the clothesline to knock um, Shawn Michaels down. 
couple of beta bombs and uh this show's over. We're going into uh into SummerSlam and the the, the WF champion defending uh, against Vader uh, has been absolutely destroyed. Um, Aura, what did you think of uh, of this match and the whole kind of lead into SummerSlam? I loved it. Completely and utterly loved it. I mean, Hart, Owen Hart is such a good villain. And him against Shawn Michaels as your baby face, like... It's it's peanut butter and jelly. It just freaking works. It works so well. And despite the fact that we don't have Brett, Owen's doing an amazing job of keeping the heart name, even if it's in a more villainous role, in people's heads, you know? And... It's it's amazing. You know, he's an amazing wrestler. He's an amazing talker. He him and Sean just work so well together. The energy was up the entire time. I was completely interested in this match. You know, even the the Vader run in for the potential distraction at the end, everything about this just worked. And it made me interested like I may not be interested in much else on the card for SummerSlam, but I want to know what's going to happen between Shawn Michaels and Jose Lothario, wherever the heck he is, and Camp Cornette. Because you can't say that that Owen and Jim aren't going to be involved in some way. You know, it, it just it's par for the course for anybody that's involved in Camp Cornette. You know, they're going to be Invader's Corner. They're going to attempt something it just it is what it is but it's it's damn it i hate to say this it's just good shit pal it's really good shit (laughs) in a very good way Mm -hmm. you know the one thing that i one of the things that i really uh caught was like they did kind of a close-up on the cast a little bit and uh, Owen's hand was facing outward. That cast looked so disgusting. I mean, absolutely disgusting. And when Sean pulled it off of his arm, like to me, it kind of solidified. I mean, in theory, you shouldn't be able to pull your hand out of a cast, your hand and arm out of a cast that easily. And this is coming from someone who did a play where her character had to have a cast partway through the show through the majority of the rest of the show and so i had like a cut down the inside of it that was easily hidden and so that cast shouldn't a real cast shouldn't have come off that easily so of course it's a continuation oh it can't heal because i'm working so much you know owen said one week when he was on commentary it's like okay homie okay are you trying to insinuate that owen hart hasn't really got a broken wrist and that 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 cast is is fraudulent i mean that's what i, I heard would never <laughs> i i would never disgrace the name of owen hart like that never i would never suggest that owen hart and jim cornett would stoop so low as to use such underhanded ta- yeah of course it was <laughs> <laughs> Tanner, what are your thoughts on uh, on this penul- Well, this ultimate match before the uh, the uh, the pay per view. 
Yeah, I mean, leave it to Shawn Michaels and Owen Hart to have a, a really, really good match, right? Like, uh, I mean, you look at what Shawn's able to achieve with Brett, and that's easily translatable to what he can do with Owen, even though Owen's skill set is, I wouldn't say very different from Brett's, but there are distinct differences. Um, so, yeah, they had a, a very good uh, closing match for its time. Um, and it obviously it segued perfectly to Vader coming out and dismantling Sean, and it made Vader look like the big monster ahead of his title match, and you kind of wondered, oh, well, will Sean recover in time? Will he be able to compete against Vader? You know, will Vader be the new champion? Uh, I mean, these are all questions that were asked. Um, I, I would like to point out something, though, that, uh, that, that I felt was fairly interesting, uh, going into this here, obviously we knew that Owen would be facing Sean last week. That was mm-hmm. what, what was advertised. Um, and Sean and Owen have actually been interacting quite a lot together. Um, you know, in the build up to this match, they obviously faced each other in that tag match at International Incident. Um, they've been on screen together multiple, multiple, multiple times. It, you know, all throughout us doing this show, right? Um, but somehow they didn't have a one-on-one match against each other until this moment. And I think it's interesting how at that time, WWE found a way to keep people involved with each other, but keep it fresh to the point to where when the match actually happens, you're like, you know, we actually haven't seen this, right? Like we actually haven't seen this particular thing happen yet. Um, whereas now, it feels like week in, week out, we get Jackson Reich, Riker, whatever his face is, you know, you know, taking on Elias every week, and you're just like, please make it stop, right? Like mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't need this kind of interaction anymore. And that's not just to speak to how awful Jackson Riker is, um, but you know, like the it's the same. Yeah, it's the same. It's just the booking is overly repetitive. Instead of do like keeping them involved. And then doing a match later on down the road, you're just keeping him doing matches all the time. This they're still felt... trying to push Elias. Yikes! Well, I'm they're, they're, they're trying to they're trying to push Jackson Riker Yikes. via Elias as a face. This is worse. Um, so yeah, um, I don't know. It it just seems like the booking, even then, seemed more evolved and more correct than maybe what it's become now in a lot of ways. Yeah. It seems smarter. It seems Mm -hmm. smarter to do it the way that they're doing it back then. Give it, give at least as far as the matches, a little bit of separation Mm -hmm. and then space those matches out, but still have interactions between the two to where, you know, by the time they go head to head again, you're, interested you know well whereas now the booking is certainly it's more in your face it's these two are going to face each other over and over and over again until you've had enough of it uh, and maybe it's the the demographic that they're going for that they don't think that uh, the younger uh, generation has that kind of mentality where they can link people who have been involved in multi-man matches and, and segments together but haven't actually faced off one-on-one they can't link that story together which i think is a um 
uh, a detriment to how to how uh, how the WWE sometimes treats its audience nowadays. Uh, but yeah, you're absolutely right. The booking back here, even though the content is probably as poor as the current content in terms of uh, uh, having to watch, uh, the booking is, is certainly a lot smarter. Yeah, and and I think that's a discredit to the fan base. You know, it, it really is. I think. I think that, you know, you have to realize that your audience is getting older. And with the invention of the internet, more of the fourth wall being broken, you know, doing these things in this way that they did back then, giving that little bit of separation, bringing it back later while, you know, while still continuing storylines, it's... It's a discredit to us because to some extent, you know, I was watching, I got caught up on Dark Side of the Ring and I saw the episode about Grizzly Smith, Jake the Snake Roberts and Rockin' Roberts and Sam Houston's father. And they were talking about how a lot of times, especially back then, a lot of wrestlers were second, third, fourth, fifth generation wrestlers because you could trust family with those secrets. And now... They're not so much secrets anymore. And I get where the wrestling industry is coming from in that we've figured it out, you know. But even though we've figured it out, we still, you know, we can separate what's real from what's kayfabe. And just because we've figured out the formula, so to speak, doesn't mean that we're going to be less invested, you know? And so to to discredit your audience like that and assume that that we're not going, that just because we figured it out, we can't, you know, they've got to do something different or find a way to manipulate us as fans i guess to some degree that they have to change things up and can't do things in the same way anymore i i think that's a discredit to us as fans and a discredit to the industry as a whole honestly and and that's why we're seeing uh, a rise in aew uh, as an alternative of rising um, uh, more uh folks on indie wrestling uh and a rise in, in uh, streaming of wrestling because people are, are, yeah. are being um, uh, almost insulted by the content in, in WWE. Um, so, and I think that's why we've gotten a surge not only in the indie and the AEW, but even in Japanese wrestling because mm-hmm. even with the the unholy ripping of the fourth wall curtain, you know, the Japanese do it, still do it so well. They hold up those original traditions of separating reality from kayfabe. I mean, look at Ibushi and Kenny Omega. I mean, they legitimately, they're best friends, and they would have to sneak around to hang out and play video games or train together. Like, they couldn't be seen together at all. And it, I've heard Kenny say, that, or Ibushi, one of them, that it was very difficult. Like, how do you hang out with your best friend when you're living in Japan and they are firm believers in kayfabe, but yet they make it work? Mm-hmm. So, and and there's more... 
And I mean, some of that credit is to the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega, but um, there's more subscriptions to New Japan World, especially from uh, the American audience, than there ever has been within the last three to five years. You know, so don't, you know, just because we're smart doesn't mean that we don't want to buy into the fantasy. Don't mm-hmm. insult our intelligence. Correct. And, you know, let us play into it. That's the whole reason we watch. We want that fantasy. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so next week we will be uh, – We'll be heading into Cleveland, Ohio, the Gund Arena, uh, for SummerSlam 1996. What Headland. a terrible place. What a terrible place to live, Cleveland, Ohio. <laughs> Oof, I mean. I feel like that's a dig at somebody, and I've completely missed it. No, just Ohio is just a terrible place to live. I've never just been to Ohio. Just, just, so. just, don't, just don't go there. It's you know, They put chili on top of their spaghetti and then mount it with cheddar cheese. It's a very... Look, I, I, I don't... What? Yeah, 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 yeah. Listen, they, I'm from they, Louisiana, and anything we kill, we'll cook some rice, make a gravy, and and put it over rice. And even <laughs> I'm just like, wait, what? Yeah, I know. I I, I know. I know. That's It's strange. just a very weird place to live. Wow. <laughs> I mean... Apologies to any Ohioan fans that we have. Uh, Please listen again. Tanner doesn't mean it. That's coming from Mags. I still think it's weird (laughs) that you do what you do, but you know. I think it's weird, but I'd try it. I've eaten alligator, so you know why the heck not? You do you, Ohio. You do you, and do it proudly. And if there are any uh, fans from Ohio. Tana, where can they go and block you on social media? Yeah, you can come <laughs> find me at uh, <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Texas Gentleman underscore. I was waiting uh, to I, see who you were going to throw under the I, bus. I, 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 I really, yeah, I'll, I'll take ownership on this one. Yeah, you can find me there, um, or you can also find my more popular account at the Mad Attack UK. Uh, <laughs> where you can, uh, definitely hit me up. Yeah, I do well, a lot of Dungeons and Dragons. It's a it's a really fun time. Um, no, yeah. So you can hit me up there. <laughs> you can hit me up on Twitter at Radio Techers as well, where myself and Mags and uh, a whole motley crew of other uh, content creators uh, watch football and discuss uh, you know the happenings in football all the time. We now have our own YouTube and Twitch channels, which is really fantastic. You need to subscribe to that for sure. Uh, so that way you can not only get football content, but also uh, content with uh, uh, MMA. Of course, Mag's doing five rounds over there, which is very exciting. We've got a whole lot of other uh, fun content planned. So go by, check it out. It's it's really fantastic. And I, I, I'm sorry, Ohio. You're, you know, I'm sorry. Okay. I'm sorry. Don't take it too personal, okay? It's just a show. It's just a joke. <laughs> or uh, rescue this outro. Uh, where can people find the star of A Changing Attitude? Oh, my goodness. You can find me on Twitter at Oriona75. <laughs> That's O-R-I-O-N-A-7-5. Uh, you can also catch me Monday and Friday nights and occasionally during the day in between. Typically on those Monday and Friday nights, it's 8 p.m. Central Standard Time over on Twitch playing some games, talking some crap. Um, and that's Oriana 7 Play, currently playing Madden 21 over there yeah. on Twitch. No. 
Uh, football manager. No, no. <laughs> it's you keep trying, but it's, it's not going to happen. Is it Final Fantasy XIV you were, you were playing? It um, is. It's Final Fantasy XIV online. And I'm really enjoying it. You know, Hubby and I, we we were longtime World of Warcraft players. And we did the Division and the Division Two for quite a while. But we really missed that open world MMO RPG. And so we decided uh, we had played for, at one point in time a long time ago. And... Uh, Decided to hop back into it, and and we're both really, really enjoying it. We haven't gotten uh, close enough that we can actually play together, but we're getting there ever so slowly. Well, thanks for that. Um, as for me, you can follow me on Twitter at uh, PodfatherMags. Uh, as Tanner said, uh, just after slating the, the, the state of Ohio, uh, I'm part of uh, the team at Radio Techers, uh, and we are getting very, very close. Well, by the time this episode drops, we will have, uh, have started our uh, content on on uh, YouTube and and Twitch. So definitely go over and, and give us a sub and um, go and check out some of our content because we've got uh, lots of great ideas coming in the pipeline. Uh, as Tanner said, Five Rounds is going to be streaming there uh, live after the events. Um, so come and uh, join in the fun. Uh, as for the show, we have a, a, a Twitter account. It is at ACIA Podcast. And you can also contact us via email. Uh, give us your thoughts and opinions on the show, uh, on the pay-per-views, and even on uh, whether Aura is carrying us to uh, <laughs> on this on this podcast. And that is um, a change in attitude podcast at gmail.com. Um, definitely go check out all the rest of the amazing content here on uh, on Chairshot. There's uh, content coming out every single day, uh, not only in the audio form, but also in, in the written word with plenty of uh, amazing uh, opinion pieces and, and uh, news on sports entertainment and also sports entertainment. Um, but um, whilst you are there, make sure that you remember the one rule at Chairshot, and that is you must always use your head. Hey, right before we cut out, I just have a quick fact for you. So we were talking earlier about um, if you popped over to during the Godwin match to WCW, it was the birth of the click. Fight TV has just tweeted out today as we record July 7th, 1996, took uh, WCW held the bash at the beach. So mm-hmm. today marks the 25th anniversary of the birth of one of the most influential factions in wrestling, the NWO. Yes. Uh, and and that was a match that me and uh, Simon over at Chain Wrestling uh, covered. So if you look back in the in the archives, we uh, we covered that this week. And also uh, a little bit of another tidbit of information: Chain Wrestling is also going to be coming to Radio Techers, and uh, we're going to be taking that uh, live. So if you want to get involved in that, uh, you certainly can do. But uh, that's enough from us for one week. Uh, we'll see you next week to cover SummerSlam. Always use your head. Bye bye, Fox. Bye. Chairshot.com. Always use your head.